Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. I always wanted to sound like Alec Webb. You know, Alec Webb, that's our, that's our announcer, the great voice of of Motor Week and a lot of other programs. And thank you, Alec, very much. Man Welcome, everyone, to our Motor Week podcast number 136. Oh, it seems like only yesterday that we did podcasts. 135. No, that's all right. Uh, around our table today in uh, Motor Week Central, writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. No relation. You going to say hello? So it was just a visual. Knows your voice. No, right, right. <laughs> For the people not, not everybody is watching this, but you can watch it. Go to our YouTube channel. There you go. Our assistant producer, <laughs> Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hello, everybody. We will have a lightning round, a viewer question, even a little time for rant and raves. At first, uh, Motor Week has uh, just announced its uh, 34th annual Driver's Choice Awards. Uh, we gave out the awards and made the announcement at the Chicago Auto Show. And what we thought we'd do on uh, today's program, if you'd like a complete list, go to our website, motorweek.org, and uh, click on the uh, one of the tabs at the top. We'll bring you to it. But if you don't want to wait for that, we're going to run down the list pretty quickly and let everybody around the table give a couple of comments about each one, uh, why you think it, it got that selection, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. You know, we're democratic here. Well, we're allowed to talk about what we didn't like about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Not every car is perfect, <laughs> breaking, but you know, we, news, we have basically picked these vehicles as our collective choice of the best. So let's try and be positive. Uh, but in public disclosure, we want to make sure everybody gets the full story. Number one, best small car. As uh, Brian Robinson put in the uh, script uh, for our awards, there wasn't a whole lot new in the uh, uh, small car business last year. Uh, Car sales are obviously not doing as well as SUVs, but we did pick uh, a very good choice for best small car. I think the Honda Civic. All right. Why? It was the best of what's around for sure. I can't, it was clearly better than the last gen. Um, still not that much to get excited about yet, although there is some more stuff coming, some more high-performance and five-door hatch. So uh, I think it was a good pick. Five-door hatch, a little bit yeah. of turbocharging final. Yeah, here we're even, even getting an R model, so there's definitely a Civic for everybody's uh, performance mm-hmm. needs. I was, I'm a little more enthusiastic about the car. Um, I think it's exactly what Honda needed to do. Um, two-tiered dash is gone. It's much more user-friendly inside. Uh materials and overall design everywhere is way up it's priced right it's drives well it drives super well uh everything everything you're looking for in a car in that class is there it's definitely forged to be a class leader i I should point out real quickly that the the previous car sold very well but it's just the press primarily didn't like it but this car seems to will probably sell very well and seems to have cured all of its ills, as far as we're concerned. Yeah, 100%. I'm looking forward to the R model. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a Driver's Choice Awards, and it was certainly fun to drive. I think we both had a chance to drive it at our uh, test track. It's funner than it deserved to be. Funner yeah. than it deserves <laughs> to be. Patrick, anything? Uh, I mean, no, I, I like the uh, amount of variety you get. I've never had a bad time driving a Civic. Um, if you get past the looks. So, yeah, I agree. Best family sedan. A bit of a surprise given that it usually goes to an import brand. The Chevrolet Malibu. Why this year did we give it to the long-suffering Malibu? 
think Benny drove it the most, but it uh, wasn't hard to uh, come to his way of thinking. I mean, it's a very well-deserved you know, recipient. I think it's a, it's a very solid car. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> yes. In this category, it's truly the most driver-oriented car. With the, uh, the transmission is super smart. It's not a CVT. Um, it's uh, programmed perfectly. The engine's got a lot of pull, and there's a lot of road feel for... I mean, in this class, mm-hmm. you just usually don't. It's get been much. numbed out of everything, and and this one has it. Yeah, the interior also seemed to be the best everyman's uh, brand Chevrolet interior that they've done yet. I yeah, thought it's a big step up when you compare it to some of the Japanese offerings too. It's um, much more user friendly. Not as not as a, uh, I don't know, just sophisticated. Not as weird. Overly. Yeah, I would say. Uh, just the ride, for me, the ride and handling is, you know, GM's putting a lot of effort into that, and it clearly shows in that car. My only worry is, like, every time a Malibu comes out, it was like, this is the, finally the one that's going <clears> to <throat> take it to the imports. But then, you know, then the next year, the it's, Camry in, it's and in the rental come car out, fleets. And, yeah. and then they raise the stakes again. So uh, I think they've done enough to keep it competitive for a while, but we'll see. There's a new Camry and Accord coming out within the next year or two. Well, so. you you can't sit on design for even five years anymore. Yeah. There was just a – I just read an article over the weekend about how uh, manufacturers are now looking at – Instead of seven-year cycles, five, five-year cycles with a major rehash in the middle of that, not just you know new uh, grill work. Hopefully, they, yeah. Hopefully, they follow that. Malibu, very good choice. Uh, best convertible, uh, <laughs> Mazda MX-5. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no-brainer. You know, it yeah. really kind of was. Um, oh, we had some debate uh, on that. We did have a little. Yeah, yeah, that was that was actually we had a lot of debate. I think we did talk for a while. I voted for TT too, but. It's but, hard to argue, though, with bang for the buck. I would have changed my mind. After driving it in Roebling, I, I would have changed my vote to Miata. For some reason, I thought it was really cramped inside, and it just wasn't what I, it, this time around. But having that car on the racetrack, that's the first time we've had it on a road course in a long time. So what was it like to drive it's on a road a little, course? It's a little light for road course use in, in uh, off-the-showroom floor trim. I mean, and specifically that road course because it's yeah. high speed. That car's got a tremendous amount of aftermarket parts, though. I mean, if you really wanted to drive it in that manner, it wouldn't be hard to make it, it awesome. It did much better there than I was expecting. It didn't feel underpowered at all, considering the mm-hmm. long straights they got there. It, not underpowered, but the platform, the suspension felt a little soft for, for sure. what it was mm-hmm. what it was trying to do. Well, yeah, it, it, it is a pretty soft little machine, but but driving it to lunch, I mean, great. it's a perfect street car. Absolutely great road awesome. car. Shifter yep. clutch setup is just dropped one of the best. The design too was uh, of everything. Interior, exterior was a good step away from the previous three generations, so it made it feel really new. And then it was also just really awesome to drive. You know, let me ask you, uh, and you and, and Greg both. Since you're the two youngest people sitting at the table, you're out. Do you feel that the car is now modern enough to attract your generations? I think it, the, well, it's hard to say. I think once they slap the Miata nomenclature on it, people tend to get away from it because they think, oh, Miata, that's a female car, or that's just, it's not a cool car. But, if you could, I mean, if you could pull a Chevy and do a commercial where you pull all the badges off of it mm-hmm. and look yeah. at the car, I mean, it's it's certainly something to look at. Yeah, the, the sheet metal is uh, what I like. I mean, it's very slick looking, very modern looking. The interior is, I mean, fairly basic, kind of cheap-ish mm-hmm. looking. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't see why people would be turned off from it. It it'd looks be, very new and modern. It'll be interesting to see when they slap the Fiat 124 badge on, on their version, True. whether or not it, what it makes a difference or not that in the perception. Okay, uh, a car that did actually invoke quite a bit of discussion during our voting, Best Luxury Sedan Jaguar XF, their midsizer. I mean, that was a huge jump forward, I think, for Jag. I mean, the X, the previous XF, I remember thinking, like, it's not quite up to what I think a Jag should be. This one <clears throat> is just refined in every way, uh, drives great, looks um, I'm going to stop short of saying great. It looks very nice. Uh, they didn't really do a whole lot with the it, it almost, changes. It almost might – some people may not see it at first glance as an all-new vehicle. But as it is the Driver's Choice Award, I think it's, uh, you know, certainly looks choice. like a member of the family. Mm-hmm. Nissan Maxima, That's lots quick. of discussion on that. We could probably do a whole show oh, yeah. on it. Best sports sedan. Not only is it front-wheel drive, not only does it have a CVT. I mean, both things <laughs> in traditionally would have disqualified it from even discussing it. But we went ahead and took the plunge. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely get some emails about that one. Sure. It's an impressive car. It is. Yeah, let's defend it. I mean, it is a head-turner. It drove well. It felt spirited. It, it doesn't even sound, inside at least, it kind of sounds nice it does i mean <laughs> and it's a big car this is not some small compact sports sedan uh i was blown away by it i i think some of the work that nissan's doing is pretty amazing i think it's a you know it's a good indication of where things are going i mean the people that want an ultra stripped out loud obnoxious sports sedan are few and far between anymore everyone wants their comforts, they want their convenience features, and they want something that they can have fun in and drive every day to work. So it's something more along the lines of this car. I feel like we're losing the definition of a sports sedan, though. Right. It was going up against a lot of like what I would call performance sedans. Now, because it was going up against cars that had like four, almost even five hundred horsepower. Exactly, yeah, it is all getting blurred. It's sporty. It's not performance. I highly recommend Nissan if you're listening. Maybe a Nismo all-wheel drive mm. model, something for the. You know, performance fans, because the car is awesome and you it know, deserves to have more power. More we traction. really have been here before, both uh, with Audi, when basically all they were marketing was uh, you know front wheel drive products, and also Acura. Uh, the uh, you know the original sedans they did were uh, so highly regarded. So we can't really say that we've never walked down the front wheel drive sports sedan uh, road before, but I don't think anybody expected this car. Maybe that was it. We just didn't expect this car to do this well. Yeah, I think we even we even really liked, um, was it Fiesta RS? Fiesta ST was two years yeah. ago or yeah. last year. Yeah. That was a yeah. front-wheel drive car. We gave that. So there you are. You know, it doesn't have to be rear drive necessarily to get your blood going. Best compact. It wasn't sports sedan. I thought we gave it a best sport something. We might have been talking be about it, though. It's an awesome car. Speaking of sport, best sport coupe, Chevrolet Camaro. Yeah, hard to say, I think, anything else in this category. I mean, I personally was pretty impressed with how it did because we had it at the track. We had the SS, finally got to drive that for the first time. But just even the – and we haven't driven a turbo, but even the V6 is a really, really nice car. How much improved? The, the previous car fairly widely maligned by a lot of people, for, especially for things like the interior. Well, they did a whole. They did a great job of creating a whole new vehicle and making it look like the exact same vehicle that it replaced. I mean, it's on an all new chassis. It's smaller, and, but it looks exactly the same. That, but you mentioned the interior. That's probably the big thing for me. Uh, I, 
I wouldn't say hate because that's a strong word, but the previous chance interior was just not an enjoyable place to be. This one uh, don't actually mind being in. Yeah, so. I would call it. I, I wouldn't even want to call it a full gen. Uh, Evolution, I like a point five. Maybe. But it is. It's totally it's different. Sure it's and everything. Yeah. I'm totally over the the look outside. I I think it's it looks dated and kind of chunky and old. And but yeah, I really like the interior. The SS that we had sounded awesome, felt awesome. Um, so yeah, I easily agree with this. Let's flip over to the other side of town. Best performance car, staying with American Muscle, Ford <laughs> Shelby GT 350R Mustang, which we also just had at Roebling. I think Jeez. last time Ooh. I talked about this, Carl, I could say it was awesome. And after having just driven it at Roebling, that's all I was telling myself when I was flying around the track. This car is just awesome. I think it sounds insane. Uh, it handles way better than what you're expecting. The interior is cool. It's Revs just, forever. Yeah. It was piece. the most comfortable I felt around Roebling in an American car because mm. I've never I don't push Corvettes crazy hard because I'm a little scared about them but I was pushing this thing hard. One of the um, uh, gentlemen that was with us from another manufacturer and who was a very good driver actually came over and said about the uh, Shelby. He said, "This is an honest car." And I thought that was high praise from basically a rival brand. They really felt like it's it delivers exactly what you think it should deliver. And hitting on what Greg uh, just said, I think revs to eighty two hundred and doing quarter mile rounds, you get that like sound at like six thousand where you normally shift the Mustang, but the thing is just still pouring on strong. You got another two grand to go. Yeah, it just sounds amazing. And what a bargain! What a bargain! This oh price. my god! I, I heard uh, I heard you can't get one for anywhere near the sticker well, price. I'm sure, though. that's true. Their sure markups insane. I heard yeah. It's like triple digits think, now. But like now I think they're ninety yeah. grand, hundred grand for one. They originally took out the rear seat in the three fifty R, but I hear they're now putting one in as an option on the three fifty R. I think it's always been an option. You could always it? add it back yeah, in as an so. option. I yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah, you get that yeah. stuff back. Ours had one, right? R R. No, I never even looked. Most of them are getting put in the garage somewhere too, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's talk about what people are buying, and that's utility vehicles, our best small utility. Um, most of the new ones we saw this year were subcompact, so that kind of made the Hyundai Tucson, which is a compact, really stand out. I did not like the first-generation Tucson. I thought it was kind of strange-looking. I thought it rode terribly. This is a terrific vehicle. I'm very impressed. I think, yeah, what you said at the beginning really made it because – uh, that's all seemed like we were driving this year with subcompacts, and they, they're they barely crossovers. I mean, there's no room in any of them. And for the same price, you can get one that looks almost midsize. It's got the same style as the Santa Fe, and just enough, there's enough room in there to actually do SUV-type things. Any other comments? I think, yeah, I mean, keep it quick. It was solid, solid pick. Um, the only problem I had was just that one transmission. It was that uh, DCT transmission. I think uh, kind of lacked, but uh, I didn't drive any other transmission, but I can't imagine it's that was a fuel, worse than that was the DC. A fuel economy transmission. Yeah, it's not to be yeah but I mean, it, well, even still, it just didn't work properly. It really kind of yeah, tripped over itself a lot and felt yeah. clunky. Yeah, but DCTs seem to be losing favor. They are, they're, they well, there's a favor. difference between a well-executed performance DCT and one that's made to – For fuel economy. Right, and to just to be annoying. moving on bigger suv best large utility honda pilot no big surprise there every time they crank out a new pilot it seems to do well both in the awards and also on the sales floor but this is a very sophisticated albeit i will say it 
luxury vehicle in a lot of ways. Pretty impressive. It's the closest you can get to being a minivan and still be a crossover. Crossover because it's uh, But ride. you've driven it a lot. Tell yeah. me, why don't you take this one? Um, I have driven it probably more than anybody else, uh, including quite a bit in bad weather. Uh, I like the fact that it's got selectable drive modes. I got out of my um, snow-covered uh, parking lot quite easily putting it in the snow mode. It never hesitated. And this is with the, the street touring tires on it. I wouldn't want to take it through an unplowed uh, three feet of snow, but it did pretty darn well, all things considered. The seats are a little hard for long travel, but the materials on the inside and the look of everything, I think, is actually a step up from anything that Honda has done for the Honda brand before. I mean, frankly, you when you get in the new Pilot and you go over and get in the current generation MDX, I think you're going to want to come back and stay with the Pilot even before you start talking about uh, – uh, different features. Uh, we have the uh, second row captain's chairs. I personally would prefer the uh, bench seats, but they fold and move extremely easily. Lots of storage space, very quiet. And on the trip down to Roebling and back, you know, doing it no typical highway speeds, it was returning 26.5 to 27 miles per gallon, and that's three to four miles per gallon better than the typical three row uh, crossover that we've done that trip with. So uh, pretty impressed. All those safety features you can imagine, they all seem to work pretty well. The power lift gate works very well. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, they've knocked it out of the park. Except for a little bit of seat comfort. I didn't have any problems with it. What's next? Ah, best luxury (laughs) utility. Okay. Speaking of luxury, as we said in our script, um, six months ago we didn't see this one coming, the Volvo XC90. Admittedly, it has won just about every car award that you can win right now. Why does everybody love it? I was kind of disappointed with that. I thought we were, you know, going to be alone. Me too. Yeah, we were going out on a limb declaring it uh, our best luxury utility. But, yeah, everyone seems to be piling on. North American car, well, North American truck of the year. Mm -hmm. What is it about the car that knocks you out? And And having said that, at the end, Brian, why don't you talk about the one that we got at Roebling just for that for stand-ups? Um, yeah, I think the big reason is just the amount of luxury and you know amenities in just the base fifty thousand dollar model, which is, we had one, right? Which is it's hugely impressive compared to other luxury SUVs, which you know more in the seventy to eighty range. Uh, drives nice, uh, interior is top notch. Seats are comfort. They spent some money to do the chassis so you could really put use up all the interior room with the transverse leaf springs in the rear. And it's got the super easy to use uh, huge touchpad in the uh, on the dash. So. Very advanced powertrain. Um, Which I, I still you know I'm a little leery on that one. You turbo combine, and yeah, you combine turbo and supercharged and made in China. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine, but I'd be a little cautious. Maybe lease instead of buy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, most people would. Uh-huh. I can't remember one vehicle, though, turning around a brand that pretty much everybody had written off so quickly. I mean, I shouldn't say that it's turned them around, but let's say it certainly people brought a lot of people back to looking at them again. They had pretty much discarded them. You should get one long term. <laughs> because I, yeah, I love the fit and finish and the feel of everything and the look of everything. It feels like a very... Well put together package. I'd be curious to see how that lasts how over time. Yeah. Best pickup truck: Nissan Titan XD. They're diesel. Optional diesel. Yeah, XD is an optional diesel. Mm-hmm. But tell us about it. 
Um, all new Titan. It's kind of a tweener, not quite uh, light duty, not quite heavy duty. What do you mean by that? Well, um, they just added more capacity under their full size. It tows twelve thousand three hundred pounds, which is right about where. Uh, most light duties end and heavy duties pick up. First so. use of the Cummins uh, Turbo V8 in a light duty or, should say, uh, populist vehicle. Um, do you feel that it still had the character of a Titan, or is it different? Uh, I mean, have, what have, have they tried to change what their truck is supposed to be? You guys drove it a lot more than me. I, I, I would say it still felt, uh, you know, personal use more than heavy duty. Yeah, I would even say it took, the the model that we had was a touch more luxurious than a lot of um, similar trim packages in American uh, trucks. So it's <clears throat> I think it stepped up the game to the more um, gentlemanlier uh, worker, maybe somebody that's going to tow a uh, horse trailer or a, a big Small boat horse trailer. Yeah, yeah like a like a, a hobby horse trailer, mm-hmm. like show horse trailer, yeah. a race boat or a race team trailer, something like that. You know, they've gone in and they found a niche that nobody was in. I mean, that's pretty smart. You know, and they basically brought out something really fairly unique. And even though the diesel is optional, I bet they sell everyone they can make. Oh, yeah, no doubt that. I'm sure, yeah, people will be wanting to buy a diesel more than the gas. And uh, our last normal category, best eco friendly, Chevrolet Volt. Um, better styling, better interior, uh, more range. I'm still a huge Volt fan. The idea of having a, a backup uh, uh, internal combustion engine as a range extender just appeals to me over a pure electric. But what did you think of it? I think well, it came down to this in the Prius, if I recall, and uh, I spent a lot of time in both of them, and it was pretty easy to me. I just enjoyed my time in the Volt more. It actually drove pretty well. It drives better. Yeah, I think it drives actually exceptionally well for for what it is. Um, it looks better than the Prius. I think. I enjoy the interior space more than I do in the Prius. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to bash the Prius. It's, it's a very good car, but I just like the Volt better. Uh, I, I'm sure you can turn this off. There's an aspect of it that just annoys me to death. Whenever you turn it off or turn it on, turn it on doesn't bother me, but when I've got my kid in the back and he's asleep, he's a three-year-old, I could pull up in my driveway, put it in park, turn the thing off, it goes... <laughs> the kids asleep. I'm trying to transition him into the house without waking him up, and it does it every time. <laughs> Your three year old son's probably one of the few people that can actually fit in the back because it would, doesn't really have. Yeah, much the third seat belt's kind of a joke. There. It was difficult yeah, getting the car seat in. There. I had to put it, down, lay it down on the seat, and set it up right. Yeah, but you know, even he had a little tight head in the back in the car seat. But yeah. Yeah, I'd say they get the award just for kind of delivering what they what the original vote promised. I think they've finally gotten around to uh, actually delivering it with this one. So. It's tight inside, though, a little bit. Best Dream Machine. I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. The Lamborghini Aventador LP754 SV. Is there anything more chair. than you have to say that, in fact, is a Lamborghini? <laughs> yeah, That's I a mean, mouthful. Yeah, I mean, it's... I didn't get to personally drive it, but I saw a lot of video of it from when uh, Dave drove it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is – thing hauls. Pretty amazing car. The Mercedes-AMG GTS. I really like that car. Yeah, I, I thought – I was very critical of, of thinking of their dumbing down uh, uh, their uh, upper level, the – sports car but gee what a nice tidy piece of work it's basically for the guy that 
once a 911, but a 911 is not as Mercedes-Benz as he would like it to be. So. <laughs> Although the back end sure looks like a 911. <laughs> looks like a, what a 928 might look like yeah, if it was still exactly going right. on. Yeah, it's exactly my feeling. Land Rover, Range Rover Sport SVR. <clears throat> How much performance can you stuff into an SUV? Yeah, sounds great. I mean, they're all, all Range Rovers are always comfortable, I think. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of combine everything we car enthusiasts like. I can't even speak wow. anymore. Uh, it's, that, it's that good that I can't it's even so speak dreamy. about it. It's so yeah. dreamy. Big buck SUVs, man, that's where it's at. There's no – I think we haven't even seen the limit of where no, these things would be going in the coming right. years. For sure. Thank you all for all your comments. Oh, uh, that, that was, was exhausting. A, an exhausting <laughs> rundown of Ooh. our Driver's Choice Awards, the complete list is on motorweed.org, and all the videos are up on YouTube. Move on now. It's time for our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending Let's automotive make it one topic. Uh, Patrick <laughs> got in charge of the bell. It always ends up being like three minutes. So. We'll, the one vehicle that we didn't talk about, the one award, is, of course, our best, best of the of year. year. Oh, man. Now, mm, we've sorry. never given best of the year to an SUV before. We gave it to... The uh, Volvo XC90. (laughs) Is this a trend? Are we now in a position where cars basically are going to stay out of favor and this may just be where we're headed with the best of the year type awards? What's going on with the American psyche? Uh, I'd say it's definitely across the world uh, for now. I mean, I don't know how long to stay that way, but. Yeah, I mean, almost everybody. Once once people get in the crossovers, they like the higher riding position. Uh, they don't want to go back to sitting low to the ground in, in cars. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel if uh, Civic would have hit us with their full range all at once, like Golf did mm-hmm. last year, then it would have been Civic. So, so I, it, it's still fifty fifty for for the buying population. I think. But isn't it fascinating how the American public really didn't want anything to do with? five-door hatchbacks, even though they used to love station wagons. And here, basically, we're giving them five-door hatchbacks that happen to have all-wheel drive, and, and they just can't get enough of them. It's all about the marketing. It's pretty amazing. Um, Makes them feel less the, lazy. The autonomous driving aspects of this car, while it's not obviously not there yet, are you surprised that we're seeing this much autonomous driving features in a car this quickly? And does is that also – I mean, everybody's all crazy about autonomous cars. I still don't think we're going to see the pure self-driving cars for a while yet. But what's your impression from what you're experiencing so far? Is it going to be worth the hype? I mean, all the technology is there now. It's really just lawyers and – that are keeping us from driving them now. But that XC90 is basically an autonomous mm-hmm. driving car now. It'll go by itself pretty much. And the S90 that's coming, mm-hmm. the sedan even has a few more features. Yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, interesting, when you're talking about autonomous cars for a long time, like I always wondered, if you get a flat, is this thing going to pull itself over into the into the uh, median? I mean, when autonomous cars yeah. come, is it going to understand what uh, a, a median is? Or uh, not a median, but a uh, <clears throat> like a safe pull-off zone. Yeah, is it going to recognize that and pull itself over, or, or are you going to have to be alert enough or physically able enough to to do that yourself? Uh, just just something. That what what, if, what if you forget how to do it? I mean, theoretically, a lot of people will be in these cars that don't know how to drive. Sure, yeah. have a driver's license. And I, I want to inc- I want them to all be included because it would be revolutionize yeah. their mobility. But there's certain aspects like that that I wonder about. 
there's all kind of projections going on saying, oh, you know, uh, nobody's going to be able to sell a, 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 a run-of-the-mill automobile because they're all going to go into autonomous fleets, and that's why everybody's heading towards uh, marketing luxury brands, <clears throat> and we're not going to sell any cars. And You know, all of this may have a lot of validity for people that live in a closely packed city, but when you're out in the great unwashed farmland of this country or the rural areas, which the country still is mostly comprised of. I just don't see the acceptance here that quick. But I don't know. All right. Well, it looks like we're not going to use up. Hit the hit the buzzer yeah. so we can. I kind of forget what yeah. the question was. Yeah, yeah well, it was, we, it we was didn't even get it to really talking about our car of the year. <laughs> I was done with it, so that's yeah. just good. Just wrap good job of ringing the bell. Um, we have a question from Larry. And, Larry, I'm going to summer, kind of encapsulate our, your uh, question. Larry's concerned about the crash worthiness of the current bumpers on cars. Uh, he's under the impression that, yes, bumpers used to be have to pass a five mile an hour impact without serious damage and that that's gone away. Um, that's not really true. Uh, the standards are still there. But what has changed about bumpers today and what actually makes them easier to damage? than they used to be. I mean, if you go back to when I started driving, the bumpers were big and they were chrome, and if you hit something lightly, chances are the whatever you hit got damaged, but this the bumper never did, and, and the car you were in did pretty well until the speeds picked up, and it, it was a different story. But what is the what do bumpers do today versus, say, what they did 30 years ago? Do they were really designed to protect against uh, minor uh, accidents? Are they there? Is, is there a bigger role for them to play? Are you setting us up? Do you know the answer and just want us to be wrong? Or? Well, no. I, I'm curious in what you think. I mean, I, it's, I think they I should can change, tell you what I think. They should change the terminology. It's no longer a bumper anymore, technically. Yeah, well, You're yeah, not, it's, it's not designed to bump off undercarriage of shielding or something. Front fascia is what we always it's call a, it. Yeah, it's a crash. You know, it's a... It it's an energy the, absorbing. It uh, it's, it's supposed it's, yeah. to break now because then it's supposed to absorb any sure. kind of impact. Say if you hit a pedestrian or another car, it's all made to crumble so that you don't kill anybody. Right. It's not it's about just your not bottom line. Made to look pretty after it does it. <laughs> it's uh, part of the design now and. Yeah, you're never going to get to a point again where you're going to have a big steel Which, bumper hanging maybe, off. Of I mean, maybe they have a point. You shouldn't encourage people to be able to hit things and say, "Oh, well, I have a five mile per hour bumper. I can just hit whatever I want up until a certain speed." Yeah. I mean, you should have. There should be a level of shame when you hit something. You know, <laughs> something yeah. Some people treat their. I mean, and this guy, and Larry says he lives in Chicago, and I've lived in the city. Patrick still lives in the city. You parallel park a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. cars just get dinged up a lot, mm-hmm. and I really don't. I hate subscribing to that because. You just shouldn't hit things with your car. Some people just assume that you scratch the car hit other people's cars. It's okay. If you strip off the bumper on an average car, what you're going to find is that on the ends, there's nothing there anymore. All the crashworthiness beams and all are in the middle because that's where you need to pass the crash test. And this is just a cosmetic piece of uh, plastic that's been put over it. It's pretty amazing. Cars have never been safer. I wouldn't mess with the formula. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, and if anything, Larry, in the cu- next couple of years, you're going to find that crash uh, uh, structure, which right now is center is towards the center of the cars, it will actually be expanding out to the corners where it used to be uh, for the reason is the, uh, the new crash tests are doing the uh, partial uh, minimal offset where they just basically, it's like you're hitting a telephone pole right in front of a tire. Mm-hmm. And right now they have no real protection there in most cars. And that's the new standards, well, uh, new the Insurance Institute standards anyway. And to just preserve the, the beauty of your car, 
you can i've seen them before it's a big piece of ugly rubber you can hang yeah. in the front and the back it's like a oh, parking yeah. buddy or something yeah. yeah that's the only way like you can a, really like a skirt keep the thing looking yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people downtown yeah. have those well larry we didn't completely answer your question but basically cars crashworthy wise are better than they've ever been before and bumpers are actually designed to take a little bit more of a licking but they don't necessarily look pretty after it's that, all done they don't look pretty at all after yeah. it's done. <laughs> our rant and rave section is up next anyone have anything they want to pop off about this week <clears throat> can we rant about how hot it is yeah <laughs> Yeah, they, right. can't well, feel, they can't feel that. Well, we've been, I think we've been sitting on this one for a while, uh, at least Ben has, about uh, rolling coal. And I'll let Ben take over <laughs> from here. Rolling coal? Yeah, I just got rolled on yesterday. Oh, <laughs> boy. Let's explain what it is. It basically, these people in diesel vehicles, they reprogram their Trucks vehicle mostly. to just blow out locomotive-style big black clouds of diesel smoke. Is this light duty, or are you talking about big trucks? Talking, I've seen uh, big trucks mostly, but I've even seen a guy rolling coal in a uh, Volkswagen pickup, an '80s pickup. Really? He had the smokes. He had an exhaust pipe rerouted to the bed, and it stuck up like a Mack yeah. truck. Yeah, it's just the cool thing to do today for these young, <laughs> young you diesel how people. Do they, how do they make it do that? I don't know if it's uh, some kind of reprogrammer you can buy, or if it's it's, it's a reprogramming trick. It's basically just doing something to the. OBD to to allow you to bypass your emissions controls or something, but anyway. So it's not another case of Volkswagen trying to pull something over. No, <laughs> when you see it, you'll see it because it's it is a tremendous amount. Of I've black seen smoke. it, but I really didn't know that's what it was called. A lot I'm of them do it to biker like people who are. You know, maybe annoying. biking or right. Well, not even annoying. I've just people who are doing the rolling coal are annoying yeah. sometimes. I've seen they're like, just doing it out of guy, spite. Like yeah, like yeah. maybe a guy will be biking in the actual bike lane and somebody will drive by him and just let loose. And they're just, just let put it all there. there. <laughs> not to mention you're just destroying the environment. Yeah, they roll coal on uh, like hybrid vehicles. Too. I, I got oh, yeah. I got rolled on as a pedestrian yesterday. It was terrible. Why are you shoveling snow? Mode. I was I was shopping for a used car. I was on the sidewalk of Main Street, Hampstead, and the, the guy was coming by. He had a snowplow on the front and just rolled it right on me. As I, was, oh, I had nowhere to go. It was snow on both sides, and I just I just had to take it. If you have been guilty of this, we know who you are. <laughs> we just Sounds like a terribly just, nasty habit. We don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get it. We don't have to live in this world. But what we do get is that we've gone on a little bit too long today yeah. for our Motor Week True podcast story. number 136. Sorry, I want to thank everybody Motor around the table. Hard. Writer, producer, Brian Robinson. Road test producer, Ben Davis. And it wasn't you, Ben. Assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Writer, Patrick Lucas. Our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes sure that we sound great. Podcast creator bob mixter who we need to get on the show sometime soon and our patrick lucas podcast producer the guy with the bell and the written word and thank you all for listening to our podcast we really do enjoy bringing them to you be sure to catch motor week on most of your public television stations also on the velocity cable channel if you want to find us go to motorweek.org till next time i'm john davis for all of us at motor week thanks for listening and watching and just being a part of motor week you have been listening to the podcast of motor week television's original automotive magazine MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.